Neve solicitors are proud to sponsor the parent show. The friendly team at Neves includes specialists who can guide you through all the legal ups and downs of family life. Visit nevesolicitors.co.uk. Neves Solicitors, your complete legal solution. Welcome to the Parents Show on Radio Verulam 92.6 FM. I'm Lydia L. and I'm Cathy Weston. Cathy's a bit nervous tonight because we're talking about a subject she's very scared. <laughs> oh, I'm so scared, Lydia. We're talking about maths and particularly maths in primary school. Now, we know it's a challenge for kids, but let's face it, it's also <laughs> a challenge for us parents. And we all want to support our children, but so much has changed since we were at school, the vocabulary and the concepts. So as parents, can we credibly help our children or are we actually making things worse? And we will be speaking to some fantastic guests as usual. We've got maths lead teacher Lucille Feather from Fleetville Junior St Albans and Nick Yeldon from Manland School in Harpenden, who's been involved in a number of maths research projects with the National Centre for the Excellence in Teaching of Mathematics, sounds very posh, and Cambridge University. And we'll be talking about how maths is taught in school today and whether it's possible to inject a bit of fun into maths. Are you rolling your eyes, Cathy? Fun and maths. Yep, okay. same sentence. Yeah. So we'll also speak to Joe Issa and she's from Primary Maths at Oxford University Press. And Joe uh, has been a teacher and is very interested in Singapore maths and its place in the UK curriculum. And she'll be talking to us a bit about how parents can support their children and what OUP projects or, or programmes there are out there to that end. So um, are you, you're not allowed to say you're bad at maths for no, the next uh, you're not, 54 and, and minutes. definitely as parents not allowed to admit to that. But I have to say, my you know, my year three son is a little bit ahead of me now <laughs> and he's seven. <laughs> so I think you're right. It's all about trying to reduce our maths anxiety so that we can help them and they're not kind of we're not paralyzed when we look at these new math the way they do things and I was just watching my son the other day doing a sort of a we used to call it borrowing yeah but they don't call it that anymore and he didn't understand the way I did it and I didn't understand the way he did it so I end up not helping him and that's really why we wanted to do this program tonight. Exactly. I think sometimes we can make matters worse. And then the worst thing about that is we're sitting there, we look kind of stupid. That's for <laughs> want of a better word. And then, you know, that carries over and children think, oh, my parents, you know, they're, you know, and yeah. then you lose yeah. confidence, particularly if you, you know, haven't returned to the workplace and, you know. But also, you know, I'd love to ask our guests later, but have, have you been struck by children who are very, very very strong at maths seem to have parents one or one or both parents who are excellent at maths as well so it seems to be something that can be passed on if you have if you are good at it is it passed on or is it just the attitude is it like just parents modeling well confidence I, I think, about maths? yeah i think it is and i think that those parents um have little tricks that they, my husband's very good at maths, thank God, but he teaches my children little tricks that I wouldn't have the insight into how to sort of, you know, teach them those things. And I think they do make a difference. You see, I don't have any tricks, but I would be worried that any pot- <laughs> any things that I would have just don't fit into the way it's yeah. taught today. So that's why it's great we've got our two guests tonight who can kind of put us straight yeah. and tell us. And you're dead, right? The one thing none of us want to do is confuse our children. So we need that kind of alignment between home and school, don't we? And thankfully, we've got lots of great 
we've got our guests are sitting in front of us full of answers to all of these queries <laughs> no pressure then at all <laughs> what's it like teaching maths in schools today what's it like i love teaching maths it's my absolute favorite subject um and i think i did have i i can relate to that anxiety um comment you were making earlier kathy and that even in the staff room people always look to the maths lead to be the first person to be with the calculations and there's still that expectation of it you must be the speediest to be the best at maths my answer to that is I'm not the best calculator, but I'm a very good mathematician. And I'll come on to that a little bit Ooh, later. Ooh, I like your confidence, yeah. Miss yeah. Feather. <laughs> very exciting. I like it a lot. How about you, Mr. Yeldon? <laughs> um, yeah, the same, really. I think, as you say, maths is something that quite often you're, you can face a bit of a wall and, you know, you're constantly aware of the challenges of trying to demystify things. And I think for me enthusiasm is absolutely core and again linking to what you were saying earlier on about the culture I think that plays a huge part that if you can create a culture of enthusiasm that that goes certainly some of the way to forging a better understanding hopefully but um, greater enthusiasm within the classroom which is mm. one of the key key things for maths. And the most exciting thing about maths is it's just so so relevant it's just so relevant to every day and it's so easy to, if you if you look for those connections um, between real life and and the children's own experience, then they they see why what the point of learning maths is. It's not this abstract idea yeah. that perhaps. Um, so I just yeah. as I say, completely agree with that. I, my wife is is um, absolutely fantastic at maths, but didn't enjoy it at school, and her recollections are being taught how to do very formal, rigid calculations and being told by her teacher to arbitrarily ring a bell at certain points to remember to, to move numbers around. And she was taught a pattern. She had no real understanding and no mm. clear um, explanation was given as to why and how this would apply to, as you say, as to into real-life uh, situations. And I think one of the key things that, that today's maths is trying to aim to do is, is, is to sort of is to conceptualise, is to is to provide a context to provide children with an understanding of why maths is important, why it drives so much of the world around us, even more today than it did possibly, well, I don't know how long ago. Yeah. Well, you've never seen a child enjoy maths more than when they're counting out their money for their sweets. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. absolutely. Adam and their yeah. mental <laughs> maths is acute, is it? <laughs> astute, sorry. Yeah. yeah, and another good trick is, if, oh, if you can work out the change, then you can keep it. <laughs> so, spending money with cash in shops I mean that that's yeah. another factor is technology how technology is affecting um, tangible things I'll come to that a bit later yeah I want to ask you about calculators sure. a little bit later okay, that's a big yeah. one isn't it <laughs> so has maths, maths actually changed since we we Cathy and myself were young and and or is it just the terminology or is it the approach I think the fundamental rules of maths have stayed the same. They've been the same as they have been for thousands of years. Um, but I think coming from a parent's perspective, um, maths may seem even more impenetrable, um, perhaps because of the way in which it's, it's phrased, the way in which it's approached in the classroom has changed significantly in the last 30 years. Um, and the introduction, of, there is certainly the introduction of new terminology that may have contributed to um, 
well, perhaps a, a lack of uh, confidence in supporting children uh, where there possibly wasn't much confidence in the first place. Um, and would you so argue that that accounts in, in any way for this kind of national lack of confidence in mathematics? Where do you think that is coming from as a nation? Why are we not performing as we should be? I, I do wonder if it goes back to when you know, we went from imperial to metric and there was a bit of a shift in confidence then because I, I think that must have had a, an impact when one generation was learning maths in one particular way and 12 yeah. and 14 were really important yeah. and then to switch to the, de the, the more standard yeah. decimals. Yeah, and certainly Stretches. our parents would have been uh, using that kind of terminology. Yeah. I still remember my father doing my maths with me, absolutely determined they were the right answers. He knew his algebra and they were all wrong because mm. he just applied a totally different approach. And that is terrifying, isn't it? Mm. That a parent can try and help and end up doing so badly. I do think there's a cultural thing as well that for whatever reason within this country, it's acceptable in front of a child to say well, I was never very good at maths or I'm not very good at maths in but you would never never ever think of doing the same thing for reading you'd, know, you'd never stand in front of your child and say oh, I'm terrible at reading right. and and making that okay by by doing that and I think yeah. a cultural the culture of maths needs to change that people need to be aware that you know you're never going to encourage and enthuse a generation of children if you're constantly sort of providing them with an excuse to to not do well at it there's a brilliant video called Hollywood Hates Math, or Math, and you just <laughs> have to watch, watch that and see, see the, as you say, the input from cultural um, programmes and films and all of the references to maths are always, nearly always, apart from The Simpsons, thank you very much, <laughs> Simpsons and Futurama, nearly always negative towards maths, as if it's okay to say... And it's just, you wouldn't say that about other subjects. It's strange. Well, it's so refreshing to hear you say, I love maths, <laughs> I love teaching maths, because I think, you know, people don't say it often enough, do they? That but kind of joy many, that you actually, have in it. But how many people spend their weekends with Sudoku puzzles and, and various online games that are all to do with mathematical thinking but there's something in us that that separates that from from the subject mathematics is a creative and flexible and amazing subject for that freedom and exploration and curiosity and yet we kind of have have this idea of it all being about the right and wrong answer yeah. you know it's oh it's all about um, calculation yeah. and getting the right answer and there's one way to do it and that's I think is the biggest change in education that we nowadays that we're trying to see. Well, one change I wanted to ask you about is this the, the value they place on the working out because mm. I don't remember that when I was young mm. but they seem to be if you can work it out and show your mm. show your working out you seem mm. to get marks for it is that a new addition to the I don't know, to the way they assess children in maths? Well, I think um, there's two ways of thinking about understanding. There's that instrumental understanding, and I think this is where we maths used to be taught in a way that they're, they're, here's your calculation, uh, you want to get the right answer, and this is the, the one way to do it. This is the procedure in which we do it. We do this, then we do this, then we do this. Without really, so that's the, you know, how to do it but why why does that work 
how do how do I know that works? Um, and actually, what we are trying to do is build a relational understanding where children can make connections and find their own way to the same answer. But having that flexible thinking and number sense in order to be able to manipulate numbers yeah. in a way to do that. But of course, that means giving them a vast range of different contexts and different scenarios and different ways to put numbers together which parents feel uncomfortable with because it wasn't the way that they were taught and calculations are defined aren't they i think when you're supporting your child if you have a calculation the parameters of that calculation are very well set and it's it's a it's a a lot more of a, a scary prospect in a way to say well actually we're less about cause and effect but actually about the core skills around this this process that we can then apply to everything else and actually make this person you know be able to use this skill in the real world when they go beyond mm. uh the school lives into the real world and use maths in whatever form they may be using it yeah, I mean, I really like your point about the the flexibility in maths. It's such a it really opens your mind when you think of, mm. of maths in those terms, isn't it? That there is flexibility, mm. even though it might appear to be rigid. And the way you describe it, it it I automatically stop my immediate reaction, which is panic, because that's the first thing I think about if I've given a promise, like how am I going to do that? But if you think about it as, you know, a process and a relationship and coming at it from different angles and that there isn't just one way to do it, it almost becomes a little bit more fun. Like, cause mm. it's, it, you know, it's more exciting to do it that way. And it's good to acknowledge that, oh, yeah, oh, so show me your way that you're learning at school. Oh, I, I learned in a different way. Oh, but we still get to the same answer. Mm. Have those, you know, share those and see if you can make those connections between them and how one method works compared to the other. As, as teachers, do you encourage children to stick to, to the method that you're teaching in school or is it okay to come up with a method that they think their daddy has shown them and they think it's great? Right. Well, we do... Each school has a calculations policy, so we try... Ooh, Lydia, yeah. did you hear that? <laughs> well, I did know that. I've, I yes. did not know I've got that. an insider tip, and it's usually on websites, right? Yes, they do have to be available. So that gives a really parents a really clear guideline as to what approaches, because there are so many, but what are the consistent methods that we are teaching? And when you're, when you're introducing certain methods to begin with, we do insist on children... Um, practicing those particular methods uh, until they've mastered it and then they can go and later on choose which is the most appropriate for the problems that they are the scenarios Lovely. they are in yeah, in future yeah, that's very nice and do you find parents appreciate that kind of policy being so transparent on your website oh i think that's yeah. one of the biggest improvements schools have done recently is in yeah. reaching out to parents and having that consistent approach for everyone to and I, it depends on the, the calculation policy obviously but again there, there is that awareness of um an insecurity or an, a lack of familiarity with certain processes and i think the the, the need to produce a calculation policy is a way of or an attempt to overcome that to a certain degree as well that you, sh you are putting on a piece of paper that everyone has access to a clear progression of where children are going with core concepts in in certainly with number mm. anyway and um, in terms of uh, bringing it back to sort of what it feels like to be the parent, you know, from, from the beginning reception, year one, those earlier years in, in primary school, you know, what would you suggest as, a, as an overall approach parents should have towards maths homework? Should it just be embedded into family life, that love of numbers that you've mentioned? Mm -hmm. Or w would you like parents to be 
respond in a particular way when you uh, give out the homework or make it? What would you like them to do? What's optimal I, at that particular point? I think the the best thing parents can do is provide children hands-on experience because if they can't manipulate things and order to embed what on earth they're counting <laughs> and what on earth counting is it's very abstract concept counting um if they don't physically hold blocks build things create lego structures um if they don't physically pick up bags of sugar and weigh them out they don't have that concept of of grams and kilograms and what 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 those weights are if they don't have that concept of time all of those real uh, tangible um, concrete experiences of mathematics are the is the best thing parents can do especially I would say sorry to, yeah, to yeah. especially um, given I think the way we're going as well with with so many more things going to apps and, and mm. digital media mm. that that as you say the tangibility of things is 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 decreasing in lots mm. of different directions so mm. remembering and 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 safeguarding those opportunities to actually physically pick things up and as you yeah. say, use a concrete resource to, to consolidate a fundamental understanding of number is, is so important. So we uh, used what's called the concrete pictorial abstract uh, model, which was a Brun, Brun, Jerome Bruner, a psychologist, created, came up with uh, the idea of making sure you, c you cannot work in the realms of abstract i.e. numbers one five <laughs> symbols equations unless you know what they represent so going back one stage you should be able to draw that to represent it and before you can draw it you'll have to have the experience of handling or, or physically holding those things before the pictorial than the abstract can come so i mean that reminds me very much of you know spelling tests that children get you know they're given this in literacy you know they'll give they'll be given a spelling list but they don't know what the word means mm, yeah and without understanding what it means it's 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 meaningless exercise mm. isn't it that 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 parents can really give children that context that teachers maybe don't have the time to give or the resources to give so that's quite exciting i'm very interested to know in your own personal experience have you when you come across can you tell if children have had a rich experience outside of school in terms of their approach to maths for example you know you've mentioned you know weighing and cooking mm. or you know children who do are involved in that kind of activity do you notice a difference in terms of their attainment yeah yeah, yeah absolutely absolutely wow. and, and the degree to which they can um, give you examples beyond the context in which it's sort of being taught immediately within the classroom as well. I think that's that's a big clue to see mm. whether they've had experiences of applying mathematical concepts elsewhere and then bringing that yeah. skill to the classroom where they're being you know, taught to, to think about it in a more abstract way so that you're building sort of fundamental skills and then applying those through problem solving and so forth. That's yeah, fascinating. It's I'm, all, I'm just so thinking, I bet, I bet it isn't apparent with my two. <laughs> <laughs> I, d I would say telling the time is where you suddenly see a massive divide in children that can and children that mm. can't. And it's a difficult 
difficult thing to overcome. Um, I do recommend Dave Allen telling the time, teaching his yes. grandson to yeah. tell the time, just to get an idea of how tricky that can be with the language again. Brilliant. It's funny though, isn't it? Telling the time is something that adults have quite a lot of problems with too. Mm. Aren't, is, it's quite a tricky area, isn't it? They have a little phobia too about telling yeah. the time and it can be yeah. quite complex. Oh, it is. Well, if you think... Parents might often think, what on earth is a number line? Does it, is that I'd love you to, yeah. Okay, so I'll tell you why number lines are just so absolutely important, <laughs> so important in life. Um, is If you look at that clock that I'm pointing to in the studio, it's an analogue clock, and there are two number lines. They go in a circle, but they start at 12, and they go all the way around 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. So we've gone... That's the, that number line represents the hours from 0 to 12. And then there's another number line on there that's representing the minutes. So we've got minutes going from 0, 5, 10, 15, 20, all the way around to 60. So when we're getting children to think about number lines, it's helping them to understand how scales are represented on any measuring instrument that there is. So it's either in straight lines or in circles, but this concept is still there so that's the well i hope everyone's listening st albans <laughs> has just had a little lesson but that that is Brilliant. a great help and and it often terminology like, like a number line i could i i was quite overwhelmed when my children started in reception number line number bonds mm. number sentences like it's all quite alienating Nick, what would you say about if you're t to parents about explaining those terms what would uh, those terms specifically or or what terms you think will kind of um, what would you say like I think kind of um, get parents to relax the, 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 the core terms that that you will hear referred to right the way through um, infant and junior schools um, certainly place value is, is a key concept understanding um, the inherent value of a number within or the inherent value of a digit rather within a number um, and uh, we were talking about uh, how the, the very naming of the number system has changed as well. And, and from our generation, we would have been used to talking about hundreds, tens and units. Um, and now the units aspect has changed to now hundreds, tens and ones. Which makes more sense. Absolutely, actually. yeah. And, and, Goodness, and, and avoids really? all sorts of confusion as well when you're talking about other sorts of units, units of measurement. And, and mm. not, that isn't, you don't have that overlap that yeah. you once had. Um, so I think certainly on... on uh, in terms of something that runs right the way through school, place value, um, partitioning as well. Um, another partitioning, core, core that's concept, the one. Particularly in Key Stage 1, but still that, un that ability to split uh, anything into its component parts um, is, is providing a good bedrock for mm -hmm. further math skills when you're then moving things and manipulating equations and um, other aspects of number. Going back to number bonds, yeah, there has been a lot of they, 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 that terminology has even had to has even changed for teachers over time. So now it's we refer to them as number facts to ah. twenty. So if I can explain what number facts to twenty are, that that's the building blocks for before you go on to times tables and beyond. So this is looking at sort of reception year one, year two. So number facts to twenty are any addition and therefore the inverse subtraction fact that will be two numbers that or more more than two i'll go into that in a moment and um, which add to 20 so for example 11 and 5 
add together and they are numbers within t- 20 so yeah let's just do 11 and 5 yeah 16 <laughs> i <laughs> didn't need did my fingers 16 mm-hmm. <laughs> subtract 5 is 11 i know it inside out and back to front yeah. mm-hmm. um and to know that in at a deeper level yeah. you could also then partition um 15 further you could say 15 is also 1 and 14 it's also 2 and 13 we're partitioning it in different ways you could also partition that into three different ways you should kids can also understand that 15 is made up of one and two and whatever's left over after that (laughs) (laughs) you see i'm avoiding the the on the the spot calculation (laughs) and notice nobody's coming in to save you (laughs) and um so that we've got um if if children can be um, parents can be supporting children with that understanding again using the concrete manipulatives And understanding that inverse relationship between addition, yeah. which is like un- and subtraction, which is undoing the addition that's just happened, then that's really helpful. Fabulous. And and because and our school did, you know, a, a, a kind of a class, a workshop about um, partitioning and stuff like that. Like partitioning was such an eye opener to me. And actually. I think I would have been better at maths if we had had partitioning when I was a kid because it's mm. it makes it all so much easier you know instead of 19 plus 31 then you just kind of go 10 and 9 plus 30 and 1 and I I'd whiz through it it's it is it, ha- it, it I mean the systems are better nowadays it feels than when we were kids is that why the systems have changed you know are they meant to have made maths easier like why have they who has who has instructed you to use this new language is it a government imposed sort of you know are you meant to use the new language of number facts where does that come from or does it evolve through your profession you know what why are they putting in these I think new it's words coming to the teaching systems supposedly coming to the teaching systems of lots of uh, in inverted commas successful maths nations i think that right. what they all have in common is spending a quality of time interrogating numbers and really fundamentally understanding numbers before moving on from right from that um, so it's a kind of rigor that they would show yeah, towards it, maths it, it, in uh, early pre- precise language using yeah. uh, use terms that are what you mean <laughs> so, for example we used to say number sentence but let's just call it an equation because that's what it is and children can deal with you know they can cope with that vocabulary if you bring that in earlier so number sentence was something we used to say but actually let's be more precise with it let's up the level and the qu- and the quality of the language that the children are using and being precise for the language mm. as well i think mm. there is that expectation that we are being precise with the language and consistent with the language as well. Perhaps mm. that's another big change that, if anything in particular has come from the government, is that, that striving for consistency right there across the board because with mm. that consistency hopefully comes you know, a greater understanding no matter where you are in the country. There's, there's a sort of common point of reference, um, which is always a difficulty, of course, because if you are at home uh, and a parent and trying to support your child and, and you're not sure of the way they're going because of these developments within the school system itself you know, going online or looking books where it doesn't necessarily produce the the answers you're looking for these days if the terminology's moved on yeah yeah and just being able to sort of recognize what they're asking for in yeah. maths it, the, the technique has to be taught as well isn't it mm. the sort of the vocabulary and the language that comes with that now um i want to ask you 
one of the questions but just be quickly beforehand we've got a message Miss Feather Finn is loving listening to Miss Feather <laughs> and gives her a big thumbs <laughs> thanks Finn <laughs> I had some lovely advice from my class earlier said, ah. just imagine you're talking to us Miss Feather and you'll be fine it's <laughs> <laughs> really lovely now they might tune out when they hear this times table tell us give us your best advice what parents can do well um, what I'm doing times tables in the class um, it's about building up a picture. So I'd start with a number line and gradually um, help to discover the children's understanding of, of the logic of building up a particular times table. So if they know two times, for example, and they know two times because they're doubling, if they know two times, what else do they know? You can derive four times. If you know one times, then using place value, you can derive ten times. If you know ten times, if you know how to half ten times, you can work out five times and so forth. So you're gradually building up an understanding of times tables from just a logic... Reasoning. The logic, exactly. The glue. The glue of mathematics. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would, the other thing I would say is um, there is a slight fixation on doing a, a sweep. It has to be sort of egged on slightly by the curriculum, as you said, but that there's this um, emphasis on the sweep of times tables, specific times tables, so doing your twos and your fours and your fives and so forth. But actually, if you're particularly in uh, key stage two, um, you know, there are known time tables facts that children always find hard. <laughs> and actually picking out those particular ones and, and, and practicing those, if, if those are the ones that they're most likely to find difficult. Um, so um, uh, the, the one we do in the class is five, six, seven, eight, um, as in 56, seven, eight. Um, but uh, yes, yeah, so it's finding sort of tricks and, and understanding perhaps um, those that you you are more likely to find difficult and they mm. always tend to be around the same It's quite thing. nice to visually represent that. So parents could, if they would like to, they could have a 12 by 12 uh, times table yeah. grid and go through that with their children. We do this at their PRAs at Fleetville, parent, uh, sorry, PMAs, parent maths helpers, assistants at Fleetville. So... You know your ones. You know your one times table. Colour them in. We don't need to learn them. Lovely. <laughs> we know our ones going down the other direction. So what else do we know? Well, we know our twos. Colour those in. If we know two times three is six, we also know three times two is six. So we can colour it in the other direction. And they can keep going, colouring in all of the facts that they know. As you say, tens are easy because you just stick a zero on the end. <laughs> that's the number trick. <laughs> I know that's my, my kids will go... It's, you don't just stick it, don't add zero, Miss Feather, it's a placeholder. <laughs> that was when I had to get out of the habit of saying, stick a zero in there. Um, and then eventually, as you say, you'll get left with the few that need to be learnt, and you can come up with great ways to remember that, like I ate and I ate till I was sick on the floor, that was one of my... Lovely, <laughs> we'll remember that one, yes. So six times, say eight times eight is 64, and yeah, seven times eight is... 56, now let's eight, bring you back six. to the calculator question. So oh, yeah. I have a question about calculators and also online maths because schools seem to be encouraging this kind of IXL, mathletics. Yeah. <laughs> you know, as a parent, I keep thinking, really? You know, do they have to do this online maths, which is just like multiple choice, you know, with the mouse? Who's the quickest on the mouse type thing? I mean, are you a fan of those, do you think? They have their place, and we, we have our own version of that, of Fleeville. Um, and our version, I, I 
support because it has an op- opportunity for the kids to have models and examples and it's a teach me section so it's a little bit more than just multiple choice if it's used well yeah. like all technology it's if it's used well yeah and um, with the calculators i think there's a lot of good maths that you can do with calculators mm, um just just that exploration of uh, you know what happens if you keep adding 10 to a number or what happens if you yeah, keep adding 100 nice. to the number and just yeah. notice I, those patterns it also frees up <coughs> Um, sometimes the point of the lesson is not um, actually the calculation aspect. If, it, if, it's, it's, if it's generating an understanding of a certain process or, or, or a way of approaching a problem, actually you don't want to put in another barrier of actually the, the calculation part. It can actually increase the turnover of a, a certain sort of thinking by introducing a calculator into the classroom. Um, although they have fallen from fashion a little bit because... Well, largely because the removal of the calculator paper in, um, in year sats. six. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I can see, you know, there's there's always strong sides of the of both. Each side of this argument has strong points to yeah. say. And I think um, it's very important that we develop children's number sense yeah. early on. And you don't want them to become over-reliant on technology too soon. Um, so I can understand why the government have done what they've done, done. What they've done. Mm. and Absolutely. linked to kind of problem solving i'm quite interested in how you've just mentioned sort of how developing children's thinking mm. and pro- you know if you're a parent at home who obviously don't, don't have the knowledge that you have about how to encourage that what types of activities in everyday family life could encourage a good approach to problem solving what is a good way of encouraging an interest mm. in thinking about things differently that could help their maths in school i think it's nice to have activities uh, or have, have discussions around um, scenarios where there is more than one answer, or there's more, you know, or finding all possibilities yeah. is one of the key mathematical. Convincing me of the the uh, viability of an answer yeah. really demonstrates that a much much deeper understanding, or you know, e- even keeping it incredibly open and saying. What maths can you see? You know, you can literally point out the window and ask someone to say, "What maths can you see?" Yeah, that's you know, brilliant. Be, I love that. It could be simple act of counting. It could be seeing symmetry in something. It could be Noticing. estimating distances. It's all sorts yeah, of things what do you that you notice? can apply. That's lovely. That's very nice. It, obviously, there's an obvious applicability to science, isn't there? There's a maths just doesn't just stay in maths, does it? And I think mm-hmm. parents can you know, see that, that it's applicable to so many subjects and Mm. so important for so many subjects. Mm. Would you argue, as I often tell my children, I always say to them, listen, guys, maths, I think it's the most important subject in the curriculum. I also think if they're good at maths, they're going to be okay in life. (laughs) I just have this, Mm. it's my saying, you know. Systematic approach, you know, to be efficient and (laughs) organised in your life, you just have to have a systematic approach to things. And maths gives you that way of thinking. Yeah. I I, I was... tell my kids that maths is the only truly truly international and actually truly universal language as well because so much of what we know about the universe is is down to maths and and you know rather than mm. language and you know language is obviously mm. vitally important but we know so much about the world through the communication to- a totally even um uniform mode of communication that everyone around the world can use um to discover incredible things and and drive so many of the brilliant things that we have in the world of the, today you yeah, know, and beyond yeah, yeah, be so rather beyond than being divisive we've started <laughs> on on the first note that we began the program on it's maths brings people together it opens possibilities it opens people's thinking 
it's all good Mm-hmm. Brilliant. We're going to move on to our next guest now, but we'll come back and give you a last thought just before we finish. So, so thanks to both of you. We'll, we'll just take a tiny break and come back with Joe Issa from Primary Maths at Oxford University Press. Online at radioverilum.com and on 92.6 FM, we are the radio station for St Albans. Radio Verilum. Radio Verilum. <laughs> The Parents Show on 92.6 FM, sponsored by Neve Solicitors. Welcome back to The Parents Show on Radio Verlum, 92.6 FM, and we're talking all about maths. So um, now we're moving on to our next guest, who is Joe Issa, and she's joining us on the line now. Joe, you're from um, Primary Maths at Oxford University Press, isn't that right? I am, how are you? Great to have you with us on The Parents Show this evening. Now, Thanks for inviting me. tell us a little bit, how are we doing as a nation in maths? Well, I think, you know, it's fair to say we could be doing a lot better. But the lessons we've learned over the last few years and seeing the international results come through, you know, we've looked towards these high-performing nations like Singapore and Shanghai. Um, and the government have really supported this move to look to see what practice is happening over there look at the good things that we can take from there and and look at how we can put it into UK schools, but also blend it with what UK teachers do so well. I mean, hearing two teachers speak previously, you can see the passion that enthusiastic maths teachers have and and the transformation they can have in classrooms. And that's what we're we're seeing now. Now these approaches are, are getting embedded in schools throughout the UK. Joe, can I go back to what you said about other nations, uh, you know, China and all the other nations that are doing so brilliantly. Is it just a case of teaching that kind of methodology, you know, in terms of how teachers teach maths? Or is it something culturally going on there that we can possibly replicate? Because in some of those countries, those children are staying in school till 10 o'clock at night, you know, or, or extracurricular maths or whatever it is. I mean... Is it just about the way maths is taught or is it uh, other other factors at play? Well, that's a really good question. And I can I can speak from personal experience in Singapore, so I'll use that example. So um, I've been out to Singapore about four times now and been into schools there. And I've gone with my colleagues who are also ex-teachers too. So we've really looked to see what's happening in these classrooms. And in Singapore classrooms, actually, the teachers teach very similar topics to our UK teachers. So they're not just teaching one subject, they teach general classes. They, um, but what they actually, what the difference, I guess, the clear difference to us, there's two, two or three really concrete things. One, their schools are really committed to professional development to raise teacher subject knowledge. And when you hear your teachers previously talking, they're really enthusiastic, they're passionate maths teachers. But we want all teachers to be as passionate as that. And that's what you see in Singapore because they've really invested in teacher subject knowledge. The second thing is they use really high quality resources. And in Singapore, it's a textbook. And what the textbook does is make everything consistent. And that's what Nick was talking about earlier when he was talking about consistency across schools. So if your child moves to another school, they're actually um, being taught the same concepts and they're taught... Um, you know, for, for a long time, the children go into depth and they don't move on until they've mastered it. And that's what has been done so well in Singapore. Um, the other massive factor, again, you talked about mass anxiety at the beginning of the show. They have a huge growth mindset. And that's, you know, your listeners might have 
the children coming back and talking about, you know, the teachers talking about, you know, have a growth mindset. It's okay to make mistakes. There's an overriding um, desire for children to do well and that all children can be good at maths. And I think that hasn't really been the case in the UK, but we're really seeing that change. There's a huge amount of work done by um, the NCTM and the maths hubs and local hubs actually, you know, doing lots of work with teachers um, to really sort of get across the idea of a growth mindset. Um, so, so all children can be good at math. It's not something we're born with. And Joe, isn't there sort of a tangible um, outcome from that? I love the idea of, of not encouraging the use of the rubber because, you know, you can see that you've made a mistake and you've just moved on from it rather yeah. than deleting all evidence of it. Exactly. I mean, it's all part of, um, as Lucy was talking about, you know, you're talking about the connections in maths. We're talking about flexible thinking. There's a beauty in mathematics, but once you learn the skills of it, um, that's uncovered, really. Um, It is. It's about finding, you know, as teachers, that we then teach children the strategies. They can have a whole range of strategies to draw on. It might be using concrete apparatus. Um, It might be um, using a trial and error approach. It's lots of different strategies so there's many many routes to roam basically there isn't just one and and it's getting children to talk about all the different methods and um, and not just being driven by finding the answer Now what resources could you recommend for parents Joe? What what could they do at home? Even inject a bit of fun? Yeah and it is about engagement and fun isn't it? Um, I think the thing uh, both Lucy and Nick talked about manipulatives and this is something that the schools that I go in um, are really using all the time it's something that UK teachers do so brilliantly and actually Singapore teachers want want to do you know learn more about these so that's any objects that you could just have at home might be buttons stones counters Um, some parents might have pneumocon shapes these are used um, in schools and, and also lots of parents across the country use them so that children are counting, they're um, ordering, they're looking for patterns, um, and just getting involved in conversation. So there's kind of that's kind of a starting point, and you can just have those at home, or you can find things online. But it's also there is a lot of help out there. You know, you might just just googling educational blogs. Um, for example, we have something a free resource for parents called Oxford L, and you can go on. There's videos of our experts like Andrew Jeffries talking about um, how to teach maths or how to play games with maths and times table help. So there's lots of resources out there, but I think it's always just to support what the school's doing. And, you know, the teachers are experts. And as a parent, you really want to reiterate what the teacher's um, teaching in the classroom, whatever approach that is. And so that at home, you really focus on mathematical language, you know, word problems and things that when you're cooking or going out outside on a walk and just um, making up problems. So children are just in thinking about maths naturally as part of, um, you know, everyday life rather than forcing them to do lots of sort of paper activities at home. Um, it's really about encouraging that mathematical language and using equipment, I think. Joe, would you recommend that schools invest not just in the in, in you know in, in 
could they invest in workshops for parents to reduce their anxiety? So some schools, I think, in the country are putting on classes and workshops for parents, literally going back to basics with them so that it does have a knock-on effect with their children. Yeah. Is that something that you think is a, a good approach? Well, I think, you know, we believe at Oxford University Press that all children, you know, should have access to, to um, you know, really good programmes. And part of that is, I guess, um, parents, uh, pa- teachers um, and parents talking about the programmes and the, the approach used in schools. So a lot of schools that we work with have parent um, workshops where they'll talk through, as um, Nick and Lucy mentioned before, um, you know, the calculation policies, how they approach maths in school and things that the parents can do to support the children. So that is happening all around the country as well. Um, but, it, you know, in a, if your listeners don't go to them, you know, go and talk to the to teachers and ask about the approach in, in your child's class. And I'm sure there'd be, you know, there's loads of information out there and I'm sure they'd be willing to share that. Right, that's fantastic. I think I've actually watched one of the Oxford Owl videos. I think it was about one. Was it the nine times table or something? Yeah, there's, there's lots of table ones, but but there's also just tips for you know how you might yeah, introduce games. You know, keeping it engaging and fun um, at home too. <laughs> That's and also, I'm sure you'd agree, Joe. Lots of family <coughs> card games, yeah. board games. You know, look at all the fun you can have with Monopoly. Goodness exactly. me, when they're counting out all their millions. <laughs> exactly. It's just about everyday maths and, and, and yeah, making it fun and parents showing that they're not afraid to make mistakes. Maths can be fun, and that's something that we just notice so much in Singapore. You know, get into a taxi driver would just be talking about son or daughter at university in London and how they become a doctor and it was just such there was such pride in education and I think that's something that we have taken back uh, and we we hope to see that in the UK as well. So would you are you suggesting we should have have lower aspirations as a nation compared to those countries? Absolutely but I think you know there is change afoot and that's you know the the Department um, of Education has invested um, £41 million pounds over the next four years in supporting teachers with a Mastery Specialist programme. So there's, there's really good work already happening all around the country in the 35 maths hubs. Um, so there, there, it's happening already. The, you know, the, the aspirations to improve maths education in the UK. We've got these wonderfully passionate teachers that, you know, out in every region spreading the word and, and um, training other schools as well. And it's lovely as parents to hear, because we have a very one-sided view of where a teacher goes, and we know you all leave school at three o'clock, and you're <laughs> off all summer for three so months. Early. But, <laughs> but uh, I was just going to say, um, you know, it's lovely to hear that from, from a parental perspective that there are all these, you know, wonderful things going on behind the scenes where, where teachers are enriching their and building on their knowledge. Absolutely. I mean, it's an exciting time to to be in maths education. Um, you know, and just got flavour of the, the two teachers earlier. That's that's what you want every teacher to be like in every school, and, and just be reassured as a parent of the amazing work that is happening. Absolutely, absolutely. You can hear the imagination and the inspiration that these these children must be exposed to every day. And one last question, Joe, is about you've yeah. mentioned about CPD, about teachers doing continuing yeah. professional and it's something parents don't ever think about. So yeah. isn't it important when you are perhaps even thinking about sending your child to a particular school to ask 
How are you investing in your staff and in their continuing professional development and knowledge? Yeah, I mean, that's um, it, it's a really good question. I mean, as a parent, that's a, it's quite a big ask to go and talk about that. I mean, in, in terms of sort of where we sit, you know, that's a school's decision, really. But, um, but we always, you know, we support schools as much as we can to um, really upskill and train their teachers because we know that is subject knowledge is the absolute key to transforming education. But, you know, it's every, you know... I'm sure every school leader and every class teacher would be more than willing to talk about the training they've been on. Um, but, you know, as a parent, go and, go and talk to them about parent workshops and, and training. And you know, there's loads of things as parents you can do. It, it's a homeschool partnership after all. It's about, as a parent, knowing that your child could develop into a, you know, a mathematician and study at a, you know, higher education one day. And that's the aspiration. It's all the way through their mathematical journey. It's not just one year in one school. So summing up, Lydia, it's about subject knowledge of teachers, which is critically important, high aspirations, and everything that parents can do at home. There you go. Joe. thanks a million for joining us on The Parents Show this evening. You're very welcome. Thank you. All the best. Thank you. Now, we're just coming into the last couple of minutes of the parents show, so I wanted to give it back to our teachers, um, Nick and Lucille. Tell us what, what you think about the Singapore method. I know, Nick, you, you're, you've a bit to say about this or about in general, just to sum up. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, really, the Singapore, Singapore method, which is talked about increasingly in schools, is, is, is really an extension of the things that we've mentioned before and that it's an attempt to um, make something abstract more tangible. It's, it's a way of getting a child to visualise a problem and, and to organise a, a problem sort of in a concrete way on the page or with blocks or whatever they can so that it isn't just about abstract numbers. It's about uh, translating, to the something, translating, translating that into something meaningful for them. Um, to, to help them with the with the reasoning, help them to solve the problems. And and do you think it could work? Do you both think there's a place for it in British schools? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, it's a real visual aid to thinking, mathematical thinking. I think that's what it's done for me uh, with the Singapore bar model specifically, uh, which you can search online to find out what I mean there. Um, and um, but also that the the mastery of number early on and not moving on until they've really secured those number facts early on. Fantastic. Now I'm really sorry but we've run out of time I want to thank you both for coming on the show, for giving your time, for sharing your passion and for, I'm sure that a lot of kids are inspired. I have more messages <coughs> for you Miss Feather but uh, from <laughs> Ethan and others I'll bid them to you afterwards um, Thanks for joining us on The Parents Show <laughs> thank, thank you very much, much. Neves Solicitors are proud to sponsor The Parent Show. The friendly team at Neves includes specialists who can guide you through all the legal ups and downs of family life. Visit nevesolicitors.co.uk. Neves Solicitors, your complete legal solution.